Hey everybody and welcome to the Casually Hardcore Podcast, episode 62, with a very special guest. Uh, you know him as uh, <laughs> Alex A-Rex uh, from gaming. We've got uh, him covering Borderlands 3, Destiny 2, uh, Division 2, Animal Crossing with your partner. Uh, so fascinating. It was just like, I was sitting here just like, per, like I've been following your stream, your uh, your content for a long time. Mm. And it's so vast. Like, uh, I feel like we, we talk about a lot of the same games. So on today's show, uh, I hope that we could dive into, obviously, uh, uh, what you're covering, what you're excited about with, like, Blue Protocol, mm. uh, Half-Life Alex. you're playing. So this is going to be a fun show um, that we're going to just kind of jump into. Chris, what do we got? How do we pay the bills? And, uh, yeah, I'm going to let you take over for a minute. Last last week, we uh, we talked with Avalon Star. So if you guys haven't seen that one, that was a nice time talking about Final Fantasy and Destiny um, and whether or not those are two games to be paired with each other and so on. Uh, next week, we don't have our guest confirmed yet. Uh, so it might just be Brian and I, or, or we'll see. Everybody's schedules are a bit up in the air lately, uh, <laughs> which is why, thank goodness, that uh, we have our partnership with... Um, I just lost it. Who, who handles your latency, Brian? <laughs> Exit lag handles our latency. There it is. Oh, with games. Thank so you. I, we've I got that. it on the words. But I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna shout out some of our members for YouTube helping support the channel. So our newest member, and I'm gonna mispronounce it, uh, Axla Verja. Thank you so much for being a member, hitting that join button. But we also have Tyler, Cody, Philip, and Aramid, ranging from 15 months all the way from 11 uh, 11 months. Some of our oldest and long supporting members on YouTube. So thank you guys for supporting the channel and this podcast, making it possible. Uh, for us to continue and do this kind of stuff, fun stuff for you uh, in that regard. So, uh, Alex, uh, why don't you do just a brief introduction? Because, I mean, you just crossed over a million. So if for some reason there's somebody in our community that doesn't know of your content, uh, it w- I think the odds are low, but I want to <laughs> give you the opportunity to say what you do, why you do it, and what do you love about gaming? Sure. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm Arix, part of the Arix Gaming team. Uh, there's four of us at the moment, so we run a channel that covers a wide variety of games. I apologize, by the way, my camera seems to be flickering. I have it's no idea fine. what it's doing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, good. so we, we, cover a, we cover a wide variety of games. Um, obviously, you know, some people might know us for things like Monster Hunter, Destiny, Division, um, you know, basically anything like loot-related. But at the same time, we also, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Nintendo fan, so whenever we can sneak Nintendo games in there, you know, Zelda is my number one franchise, so like that, like that will always be there. But we basically, I mean, ultimately, we just cover the games that we like you know we're also massive anime fans so you'll see a lot of like anime related games that pop up there you know some things we'll cover extensively some things we'll cover you know in passing but basically we cover whatever we like um and just i just enjoy games it's kind of it's one of those sort of things it's like you know i'm, I'm not i've never been one of those people that's so like picky about graphics and specs and things i'm just like i just want to play games i want to have fun and then i'll cover what i enjoy when i get bored of it i'll move on that simple really <laughs> it's, a, it's a good healthy it's a good healthy attitude especially with games especially with loot related games yeah. obviously like you being a destiny player and a division player like some of these games have no uh lack of drama that sometimes pops mm-hmm. up and somebody because i posted it like a, a, a couple weeks ago just like hey here's the new destiny 2 meta you know the or at least the oh, auto yeah. rifles are back and i'm i'm loving it and uh and somebody's just like you know they're just like trash and i hate the game i'm like like at that point, I'm like, it might be time just to take a, like a break. Take it exactly, hundred percent. Just... I mean, that, that's that's that always baffles me. I'm like, I you know, I, I get there's like different levels of investment, but like, I love my games, and I'm like, you know, I, I've I've been playing games all my life, right? So I'm super passionate about them. But I'm just like, 
it's just not that deep. I'm like, if once it was like, obviously I get that you care about it, right? And like, obviously if, if you've been competing in something, you know, and suddenly it changes the way you play, I get the I get the emotion attached to it. But I'm just like, for me, I play something and if it really gets to that point where I'm just like, this is frustrating me, I'm like, this is an option. I'm just going to go and play something else because why? <laughs> Life's just so much easier if you just, just, just chill. Especially right now. And so that leads yeah. us to our first question, a little bit of topical, hopefully a little fun. If you could mm-hmm. pick, like, this is a game that people play, and now we're, like, playing this game for real. If you could only pick one game to take into quarantine with you, uh, what would it be? Breath of the Wild. A hundred percent. That game, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, is, like, one of my favorite Zelda games. Very close. Um, it's, like, joint just below one, because Ocarina of Time is number one. And although Ocarina of Time is like my favorite game, I feel like Breath of the Wild is the perfect quarantine game because it's just like, it's, it's just a sandbox of like possibilities, right? Yeah, I just love jumping into Breath of the Wild. Sometimes even if you don't have a, like a thing in plan, like a thing you're planning to do, you just wander around and mess around and do crazy things. It's literally like there's, there's still so many things that I have yet to do in that game. I mean, you know, I've done all the all the kind of the main stuff, but like, you know, I mean, if I was in quarantine, I would go and collect 900 Korok seeds. <laughs> You've done more than I have. I've ended, I always, like, with open world games like Breath of the Wild, I just get lost for hours. So I've probably poured mm. 80 hours into that game, but I have yet to finish it. Like, I just kind of go like, okay, yeah. I'm going to go in this direction. And so that's got to be, uh, I definitely would say that's a contender. Chris, how about you? You get one game quarantine which technically we are with dallas somewhat you know but go ahead yeah i i don't know i don't know if this game has internet connectivity so um let's assume no because that's that would be the true test because otherwise mmos are super easy um there's lots to do uh any and any mmo i have lots to do in any of it um but if i don't have internet it, it would probably be minecraft um it's not something we talk about a lot here on the channel it's not something we cover it's not our typical subject but i have dumped endless hours into it and assuming that quarantine here just got extended to april 29th and could be pushed out well into the summer at this rate beyond easter <laughs> if that if that happens then it needs to be a game that i can't beat uh in just a few weeks so something open sandbox without internet so that's a oh man you've thrown a wrench because I was gonna say like obviously an MMO and I would say right now either Final Fantasy fourteen and I, I would go and maybe guess New World I we're gonna go hands on with that next month uh break you know uh, Blue Protocol got the beta got delayed so I'm just like itching mm. to play that one that like now I get your anime connection because I was like I was like wait Alex is posting on Blue Protocol okay I gotta go check that out and it's like oh yeah like, this is really cool um. But uh, so without internet, though, that's a twist because um, I love my internet. <laughs> Let me think here. Uh, I would say probably uh, if it's going to be a classic, I, I would do Octopath Traveler. You got all oh, the different okay. characters, uh, the visual art style, great RPG. I would just max out on everything in that game because and there's a lot of hidden stuff. If uh, if this was in the future that we just we tried to post, but YouTube's broken, which means they're changing their algorithm in real time. Uh, Bravery Default 2 uh, demo just dropped today. I don't know uh, mm. if you've seen the, the the mini direct that it was just uh, released. Yeah, on the yeah, yeah. Just caught up on that one just quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Bravery oh. Default 2, dude. Like Bravery Default was great. The only reason I wouldn't take the original into quarantine is because I can't play the 3DS for a long stretch of time without oh, okay. my hands hurting, and I'm just like, yes, I'm gonna be able to play this with a real controller. 
you know, true, that's, true. that's, that's a game changer right there. So, all right. That's, that's a little well, bit of fun. Why can't we have a pack? Why can't we have, I know, I know that there's logistical issues to do with developers and publishers all being different, but why can't they put out like a $200? You get all of the game of year of the year from last year, just all of them. I think it's called just game like a Pass. whole chunk. So it works out real cheap, <laughs> but like you're getting, cause they're not all on one streaming yeah, service. They're not all true. on game pass. They're not all on like just, just a nice big variety. Maybe you already own a few. Let's just finish out your collection for the price of four games. I think it's a great idea. I think that uh, I think that's a fantastic idea. But who would publish that? How does that? How did? Oh, how would yeah. the money how get split that up? Get yeah. distributed? Like, well, obviously people bought it for my indie title that of course you know, happened to be bundled. Mm. I don't know, man. Like that's where I think that's where you'll see more of the the Nintendo online service and the yeah here's the, all the games of the year that were previous you know 2018 all the Zelda games kind of like Switch the kids bop thing and haven't told you <laughs> kids bop 2018 <laughs> baby <laughs> so what were the hits um so on that note um Alex you just created a new channel I want to give you a second to kind of yeah. promote that yeah, because it actually is I think a very important thing when it relates to gaming and especially what this uh, stereotype gamer is and you mm. guys are breaking that with uh, video games and that is a a real life rpg you guys are grinding it out in real life working out Pretty hard much. um i didn't catch your partner's name on uh, on video games uh socks okay cool well i guess i guess yeah. his handle uh and so you and socks are putting uh, you've released two videos about this channel would you tell everybody here about it and then we'll dive into the rest sure. of our uh, conversation so yeah so video games is um is basically our, our attempt to combine the worlds of gaming and fitness so you know there are two things that for in like mainstream media are often seen as you know gamers are seen as these guys just sit in their basement eat doritos drink mountain dew and just don't go out right and it's like that may have been a, a thing at one point in people's lives but honestly that's just like a, one of those silly stereotypes now and it's just like i um it's all kind of sort of came about because both me and socks went sort of through similar journeys like for me it was about three years ago like i was i just used to be like massively overweight and then kind of got to this point where i was like I want to fix up. I want to, you know, I, I just kind of had that that self-realization moment in the in the mirror, and I was like, right, I need to do something. And then I kind of initially just went to the gym just to try and get healthier. And then suddenly, in the process of doing that, I was like, I actually really enjoy this. Like, you know, I'm the I'm the sort of person that used to do anything you could to avoid any kind of physical activities. Like, hey, I could I could walk to the station five minutes away. Nah, let me just go by the car. You know, anything like that. And like, but now I just, you know, it became really addictive, and suddenly it became a thing that I. It almost became well. It is as important to me as gaming now. You know, I, I spend a lot of my time researching it. I'm learning a lot of stuff about like fitness. I learned from like a lot of seminars. So just, just, just so much of my life is now also that thing. So I basically kind of want to sort of have a place where we can kind of build a community around it. Because what I've realized by sort of sharing a lot of what we do, sharing a lot of like the the content and stuff, is that there's a lot of people in the games industry that potentially or, or kind of get the gaming sphere that potentially either also do that or want to get into that, but they're just a little bit like. I just don't know where to start because it's so daunting. So we kind of wanted to create video games as a means to sort of lead by example because we're not obviously certified. So we're not going to be out here teaching people, but we're going to be more so like, here's a place that feels there's a lot less scary and we're just doing this all together and yeah, just trying to break down barriers, really. So uh, one of the things I've always believed, and this is just a personal, I guess, thought mm -hmm. I've always had is that when you work out, when you train your body right, when you eat right, you're actually a better gamer. I don't, when you look at, <laughs> yeah. especially professional gamers, like every, all the ones that compete at any kind of pro level have a, like a strict workout, have a strict diet, mm. like they are competing. And so it's interesting. And I'm wondering if over time we can change that perception. You know, I am currently sure. overweight, but that's something that exercise has always been important to me. 
Uh, and uh, and so that's where like I was really inspired by what you guys are doing. And so thanks for putting that out there. I'm looking no, forward no, to yeah. following that channel. Just a little bit of a kind of unfortunate timing because obviously we, you know, we because we got all these big plans for it and like we we've got we we planned initially content up until June and I was kind mm -hmm. of there's one thing that I, I can't talk about just yet but there's like a big project that I'm filming mm -hmm. um, that tentatively had to put on hold because it just wouldn't like although I filmed it it would just be really weird to put it out in a time when no one can access a gym it would just be like it's just the, the wrong the wrong timing for it so we put that temporarily on hold like it will it will happen but it's just until this kind of blows over we need to kind of pull that back so had to pivot a little bit and we're working on some stuff that we can kind of do you know from home so you know yeah. I, in, in, in an ideal world it would have been you know had all these these grand plans but that's you know there's, there's that, still uh that's what i'm actually yeah. i'm kind of hoping to see especially with all of what's going on i was like man what could i do like with the with 15 minutes like between whatever mm. you know it's like just like a yeah like oh you're waiting for your next round in destiny like drop yeah, it yeah. To, you know here, here's some quick things that you can you can knock out um on that note for, regarding content creation you're full-time mm. crossed over a million congrats i mean that's Thank that you. must have been a massive milestone um how yeah, long have you been, been grinding towards that uh towards that goal been about like eight years now so it's me and 269 that kind of created the channel initially um ran that for the first say six years and it's within the past couple of years that we brought um paradise central and vestmore on board so yeah uh but yeah about eight, eight years now so it's been a long old time how's it working with with partners chris and i've been working together for three years on uh, hmm. on our channel and so it's like i i've always recommended it like find people that you can trust that you like yeah. because oh my gosh three games just dropped today like okay we're gonna have to divide exactly this up right. um you know how how is it like and then I, I'm curious, just for as a on a professional level, how mm. how was your process for bringing on somebody who you like who've already established a channel, and now you're bringing on other creators? What was that process? Yeah, like for it you? it takes it takes a while because like you know because because me and Tuzix have been friends since university, so you know we were just kind of we we were, worked at university, then we moved to work to Microsoft, and then when we left Microsoft, we obviously did the the YouTube stuff together. So we've obviously always had the same kind of work ethic, and it's mm. why we've so you know connected so well. We're just like we're very you know like we just get stuff done like you know it doesn't matter the time things like that it's just like if something needs to be done it's just going to get done um so you know and, and over the years of trying to you know as we were sort of building the channel we've kind of attempted to bring people on board before like people that we've been friends with in the past you know they've kind of come on for different different times for different things um but ultimately i think a lot of people like they sometimes you know they'll often like the the prospect or the idea of like doing all this content creation stuff and then when they suddenly get inside and realize just how much work it is they're like uh, i didn't realize it was this so uh yeah so so it took a while and then but so for us it's not there's never really been like a, a specific kind of recruitment process but more so like we've just you know friends that we've had that have kind of come around us anyway as we got to know them better it's just kind of opportunities come up and it's been like is this something you want to do and then we've kind of brought people in so it's been quite a, it's been definitely been quite a slow process to do that um but yeah i think i think we've, we've definitely sort of landed in a position where like you know now the team that we're working with everyone sort of you know shares the same kind of work ethic and ethos and stuff and we're all just kind of driven just to get things done but that's yeah. that's a lot of risk um but there's a lot of advantages <laughs> yeah. to it I, I would rather that side looks a lot less scary than the people that do this alone the people that mm. do entirely on their own they are a one-man team they do their own editing they do their own filming they do their own content they do they're the face they're everything what mm. what scares me there is like what happens if you get sick like yeah. what happens want to take a vacation what happens if two games drop on the same day um mm -hmm. what happens like i mean brian and i are the, the game that has really defined our channel it hasn't defined us as gamers but it has defined work to game in many ways is final fantasy and final fantasy mm -hmm. will have these huge content drops on one day and brian and i may not equally be excited about all of the content 
and we mm -hmm. definitely can't get to all of it in one day. And there's people looking for those guides. And so we can kind of say like, here's stack A, here's stack B, go nuts. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, do you guys find, how do you guys deal with when you both want to play the same game or when like a game comes out that you feel the channel should cover uh, and then none of you are maybe like, yeah, I like that game, just not right now. Like, do you guys just I mean I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pass on some of things like that. Because, I mean, ultimately, everything we cover on the channel is things that we enjoy. Like, you know, if, if, if we didn't have the passion in it, then we wouldn't cover it. But there's some, there's kind of, there's two sort of different ways we cover games. There's sort of like the, the looter shooter coverage where we'll, we'll invest in it and we'll become like a long, it'll become like a staple for the channel. It'll be like long-term coverage. So that means then from that point onwards, we're looking at patch notes, we're looking at updates, we're looking at everything that gets dropped for it. Meanwhile, then there'll be some games that will come out um, that will be finite games, you know, it'll be like a story sort of thing. So it's like, all right, you know, we might just put up some gameplay for this. So it'll be quickly jump in, run through the first couple of hours. Um, and then, you know, if people want to see more, we can do more. Otherwise it might just be, that's the extent of the coverage. But we'll always kind of divide it. I mean, like the way that it often works, because obviously within the channel, although we're like a, like obviously we've got the whole team the guys also stream so like the the majority of the like three times a week um two six parallels of best mobile stream so the initial videos i'll do like a, a big chunk of them and then obviously outside of the streams then we'll divide up whatever else kind of needs to be done so we we just structure everything as best we can you have like we have like meetings on mondays and kind of just talk about like what the week looks like what we're going to be doing we schedule out all the content for the week and then obviously things can change like if updates drop or like suddenly someone announces something and we have to pivot then we do but we basically just lay it all out and then you just kind of assign stuff to people and, and sort of go from there. So Sounds on that- like a job. <laughs> Sounds like a real job, like a career, baby. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. How important is streaming uh, into y'all's process, into content creation, uh, into that whole setup? Because it is it is so different in content um, mm. and what it delivers. I think still, yeah, I think it's still like super important because it's, like, it's just another way to a connect with people connect with community build communities around it you know because it's, it's one thing like like youtube is you know although you have like communities on youtube you have people like commenting people that like you know subscribe to you and obviously you know do that it's, it's youtube is a little bit more impersonal because obviously you know you 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 comment you can reply and things like that and you you know you see familiar names and stuff which is cool but it's just not quite the same kind of connection so obviously twitch allows us to then actively engage with people actively kind of talk on there and also it means that if there's like a big game that we are super excited for like something like monster hunter that we're obviously well known for we then provide the content on the, the channel, there's crossover then into the streams whenever everyone comes over and tunes the streams. And it kind of creates like a nice, healthy sort of ecosystem. Well, what what caused the initial interest in all this? It seems like you've got a process now, but there was a time before that. So like, how did you, how did you get in? And like, were there kind of moments where you felt there was a change in your relationship with content creation? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it initially started more so just sort of like as just a, you know, an idea like when we, when two six and I worked at Microsoft, there was um they had like a games library and you could just borrow games there. So we we're just like, ah, you know, we'll just we'll just try uploading some videos. And that was like way back when I had like I was super shy, I didn't have much confidence, so I didn't even do voiceover. It was just raw gameplay we uploaded for a while, and then gradually started to just do more stuff. So, but like uh, I definitely say for the first couple of years, it wasn't even something that I necessarily thought that I was like necessarily wanted to do, or or and you know, it was never it was never like the the intention that was like, oh, this is gonna be a job. It's just like. We just upload some videos, we enjoy games, we why not just talk about things that we enjoy? And then as it started to kind of build more and did more of it, then it started to kind of, you know, understand the kind of content that I enjoyed doing, understood the kind of what we wanted to do, and then it started to form like, oh, this is actually something that I would quite enjoy doing. But it was even in that position where like while I was at Microsoft, I was never gonna be like, Oh, I'm actively gonna quit my job and do this, because it was quite risky. But then, you know, I was kind of it was sort of like one of those forced hand moments because there was like a big 
merger at uh, Microsoft and then some of the teams moved around and basically got made redundant. So I was like, well, this is a good chance to try it. So I then thought I'm going to set aside a year, try and make it work. If it works, cool. If it doesn't, you know, I'll go back and do something else. Um, and then luckily in the year, it kind of kicked off and then sort of went from there. That's amazing. Uh, what, uh, do you mind me asking what you ended up, what, what did you do for Microsoft? And if you're sure. an Xbox or PlayStation? <laughs> uh, I, so, I mean, I'm actually, I'm a, if anything, I'm, I'm Nintendo. But, <laughs> but I'm, uh, no, I like all systems the same. But no, I, I started off as a, a tester, moved up to like senior tester, worked on Forza Horizon when it first came out, uh, did some work on like Halo 4 and Gears Judgment and stuff for like the test stuff. And then I moved over to be producer on uh, the video platform that was on Xbox One, Upload. Mm -hmm. uh, so at the time, so I handled that for like, I did a lot of that stuff for the launch of Xbox One. So we used to basically, it was like a small team of like eight of us. And we did like um, content there, community management there, account management. We planned events, ran events, did like, we curated the whole hub and stuff. So there was a lot of stuff that we did within that stuff, uh, which was cool. Cause then it was, but then it was also difficult because I was also running like, I got that job, that role internally at Microsoft because I was doing the YouTube channel and it was sort of like, they wanted me for that same reason. Mm -hmm. But then it also got really busy because that was that was the time where it's like, I work a full job, a full day job at Microsoft and it wasn't typical like nine to five. It's more like nine till like nine a lot of the days. And then I get home and then I have to do YouTube videos. So I was like doing YouTube, basically YouTube for Microsoft and then YouTube for that. And I was like, this is this is long but yeah that's a long day like yeah yeah <laughs> oh my gosh so i want to let's pivot over into video games because I, obviously that's something that like from a passion perspective outside of uh just mm. our content creation side of it um what excites you about blue protocol you've been posting about it obviously the mm. anime connection but um yeah talk to me about like what got you originally interested in it and what you like and so far you've seen so, I mean, the original thing was just like the very first like announcement trailer they showed at E3. It just like looks awesome. Like any of those games that I, because the thing is for me, like I've always liked, it's kind of like I was sort of saying before, like Nintendo games, like, or be just like liking games for just like fun facts. So like, I've never really been like a, a, a graphics guy, right? Like, I, I can, I can appreciate graphics. I can be like, oh, you know what? Red Dead Redemption is technically a very impressive game. But I'm just like, for me, if I look at something like Red Dead Redemption alongside something like Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild is what catches my attention. I'm just like, I love that visual style so you know anime cell shaded stuff and all that kind of like anime style like, it always looks uh really enticing and i just i think for me it's like i love mmos right i i, you know, I think that's like the world the world of warcraft days the harsh reality is i don't have the time to play mmos these days and i know this i know this like deep down i'm like you don't have the time to play this but yeah i still yearn for mmos all the downtime i'm just like i just want a new one i want a new one so I can jump in and realize, wait a minute, I don't have the time for this. But, <laughs> Just but I still want to... Exactly, right? So, so there's always those, you know, it's, it's between like Blue Protocol and Lost Ark and all those other different games that I want to play. But it's just, it just looks really nice. And also it's got that kind of like, it's, it's got that nice like blend where, you know, because I think back to like my MMO experiences back with like World of Warcraft and Guild Wars, a lot more like throw a ton of abilities and like a panel, pressure buttons, watch the moves cast. Whereas a lot more so now, there's a lot of RP, um, MMOs that are going down this kind of action combat route where... You know, fewer moves, but more just freedom and fluidity of movement. So you see that in Blue Protocol. You see that kind of like combat, the motion, the movement, the action side of it. But it's also in like a, a loop of a game where I can live. I can just be like, let me go there and gather some stuff and log in every day. So yeah, that's they've, kind of... They've talked about like the player economy. And I think that mm. is something that's very important. And one of the things that when we talk about Division, Destiny, like there really isn't a player-driven economy and that can work and that can be just fine. But I'm I'm just like you. I'm like, I've been like, oh man, what's that next thing that's really going to 
like remind me of how little time I have mm. in, <laughs> exactly in life right. to, to play these games. And when they said that player economy, I was like, oh man, because if everything isn't so like run this dungeon, get and eventually get this drop, if it's like, oh, run this because it has this material that then is driving mm. the, the player crafting, that means that value, there will always be some kind of value there. And the fact that gear levels up, like you've covered yeah. it with the great detail, but for anybody who has to know, like you have a, you have skill trees and it's like, we haven't seen those in modern MMOs. Uh, everything's so like streamlined. We have, you have mm. where your gear and weapons level up and they've tried to figure and uh, match this with matchmaking itself, whereby giving, taking all of your choices and your gear and your level and giving you a battle rank. And that will determine mm. what you can match make into. And I was like, that's so smart because I love matchmaking because I don't have lots of time to always form that, yeah, that group. Course. But then we've—I feel like in recent MMOs, like it's uh, we've sacrificed a lot for the sake of matchmaking by making less player-driven choice. And I mm. think when we look to 2020 and beyond, it seems like a lot of people are trying to push back into like, no, let's give people the option to build these crazy characters. And we see it kind of with uh, with the the looter shooter uh, mm. in varying degrees. Destiny. Um, obviously with the subclasses, Borderlands 3 with how you have your skill trees, uh, Division 2 with how you decide to build out your perks and uh, and specialize. And so it's like, it's always, I love that about those kind of games. Like, just like, mm-hmm. give me a character and don't tell me about the meta. Because I just, I'm just not a yeah. meta guy. <laughs> no, I don't mean, it's one, of the, it's one of those interesting ones where sort of like, from a content point of view, you know, we'll always kind of follow and like pay attention to the meta because obviously ultimately when it comes to, like, comes to content, a lot of people want to know that stuff. But me deep down, it's like, you know, outside of like producing the content that I know that people want to watch, like me deep down, like, I'm, I'm a similar kind of person. I'm like, I don't really, I'm not too fussed about like meta. I'm like, obviously if my character can kind of be more efficient or do something cool, that's, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, I, mean, I think back to like Monster Hunter as an example, right? Like obviously I'll, I will we'll showcase like sets on how to be like super efficient or how to kind of, you know, stack a ton of, damage but i think like ultimately i'll just like i'd rather just put together a set that looks cool and just enjoy myself at the same time right so yeah i definitely see you on that have you had time to touch i mean have you had time to touch other games that maybe you guys haven't covered things like wilson or anything like that that so many desk wilson <laughs> not not yet not yet i i have okay. i've been i've been watching that. i really wanted to play that because I, I love those kind of games like i'm i'm like massive diablo fan and you know i play like a lot of and like obviously with lost ark and things like that so i do definitely want to try that out. i mean the guys have streamed it the guys tried it on stream um yeah but i was kind of when it first came out i saw there was like a lot of issues and stuff so i was like i'm yeah. gonna wait for like a few weeks and wait till things like level out and hopefully if i get like it's it sounds kind of funny because like you know obviously in light of current situations everyone's like well now everyone's got loads of time it's like well my job hasn't actually changed so i still don't actually have any time <laughs> so i'm right. just like uh but yeah I, I would love to i would love to check that out yeah and i try to sort of like for me when i'm not like covering things on the, on the channel i spend a lot of time playing like smaller like indie titles like i love my my switch and like a lot of the games that i you know play because because they those are the sort of games that i can i can fit into like a weekend i can play like 10 hours and it's just done um do you play do you play handheld or do you play on a tv or a mix of both um mix of both i i, I try to play handheld wherever i can just because i like to just kind of get away from my setup and get away from like where i'm at and i've got um I've, i bought i bought like a switch light like i love i love my switch light it's just it's it's funny because it's it's one of those devices where when it's first announced it's like i don't really need this but i bought it and when i got it out of the box i was like this is just great form factor wise it's brilliant and it's like i know i can't dock it i know i can't it doesn't have half the features of like the regular switch but it's just a great portable device so i've got that with like a nice grip so a lot of the time i'll just sit downstairs on the sofa and just like 
play through indie games and stuff. It feels so much the Switch Lite feels so much better, like in a, in in handheld. Mm. It's just way more comfortable from a handheld perspective. But that loss of it makes me wish that if they ever did came out with a Pro, that it would be something that actually isn't handheld. Mm. That it's just like a powerful thing hooked up to your TV, and then with the cloud, oh. that your saves are always in sync. So that way, you're just like, all right, I'm done. I'm gonna switch over to the the tv yeah yeah because that's like my switch uh my the one that docks like the the joy cons are starting to drift and it's like all right well i'm just gonna play with the controller so it's just sitting in the dock and i'm like right man how much better would this be if it just was dedicated with maybe no wi-fi connection and a direct line for smash Mm. um (laughs) one day we'll see one day one day the um uh, Chris, do you have any other questions for uh, form for regarding World of Warcraft or e- even Walson? Because I think that's what I was really glad you brought up. Because I remember yeah, you did so, a build, and all of a sudden your damage went from like nothing to. What's interesting about it is is that meta conversation. It's the game that jumps to mind when you talk meta because it's mm. developed by a small team, um, and it was limited to effectively compared to major titles, no testing prior to going public, and then it went public with a lot of bugs. And as they fixed those bugs. Um, the initial round of bugs, a lot of them drastically changed the way people played. So you had these, you have this stat circle that you pick things from, and some of them didn't up your stats. Like it says, oh, plus 12% to health. It doesn't change your health. Like it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. The tooltips there, the effect is not. And so you put a point into it and it doesn't matter. There are other things that were like, instead of giving 0.5% damage, it's giving you 50 times as much damage. Oh, damn. And so the first big round of, of bug fixes also effectively were balance fixes because the first big round was they went through and they said, okay, all the things that didn't work now do, and all the things that worked too much now don't. And so effectively, they just went in and corrected everything, and people were pissed because they're like, well, but I have this god mode build where I've been running around literally with no gear on. People were running around naked, one-shotting everything. And they're like, I, I don't understand. Like, you're not going to let me run around naked beating all the bosses anymore? Uh, it's, no, no, we're not. And so, like, it's interesting to see the meta change week over week over week because every mm. every 7 to 14 days, there's this drastic change where there's all this crying about my build is broken. And then there's all this cheering about, like, oh, my gosh, now this new build is viable. Mm. And it just changes so rapidly. The problem is that for an average player, you're experiencing all of this wonderful gameplay and this constant change while the game is crashing, while bosses mm. are spawning in walls, while chests are spawning out of reach, while the the thing it tells you, okay, hey, kill five of these things. Oh yeah, one of them's in the floor. You can't kill that one. You're gonna have to leave game. Uh, like so that there's definitely bugs happening, and you just have to accept that or or wait, like you have. Mm. Um, but when you talk about meta, it's fascinating to see a game that that changes so quickly as opposed to world of Warcraft where there can be like a whole, I mean, they really only kind of have like three big patches per expansion. Mm. So you could have four or five months or six months where you feel like your character is suboptimal. I mean, we see that in 14. And and so, you know, when we talk about blue protocol, like I don't know what's going to happen there with meta because yes, it's Mm. nice to be able to ignore the meta, as long as you're still viable for the content you yeah. want to do. Maybe you won't be the top end, but that's well, like, it, will things be able to do the average content? The question is, is that how is meta, and, and, and Alex, I'd be curious as your thought, how, how do we see meta changing when we've gone from tag, tab targeting 
uh, and auto, uh, you know, auto damage with kind of like your auto attack to like action RPG with the with that like with the looter shooter, but also with like Blue Protocol, which is you can dodge. You don't have mm. to take damage if you've got the skill. Where skill ends up can can really offset and make more things either viable or make it to where you're like like in Fantasy Star Online too, like the high end gamers like don't even bother with da- uh, de- defense you should dodge or you should go home you know, it's like <laughs> it's all about damage like where it's like okay well yeah as much as options you give people it's all going to boil down to what is your damage per second uh what's your thoughts mm. on that with an action I, mean, I think I, f- I feel like when it comes to action-based games obviously it will still still be things there will still be like you know this move may be infinitely better than this move but like when you look at the way that at least from what they've shown so far like skill trees in blue protocol there's only like a handful of things it's like per slot you have well from what they've shown per slot you have two things to choose from mm-hmm. so i don't think there's going to be like you know obviously it might be like best best in slot gear or best in slot weapons but i think for a lot of it it's going to be one of those games um where player like i mean there's there's obviously even with games like world of warcraft and final fantasy and things like that there's obviously a player skill element as well it's not just a case if you have the build and you know some people still need to understand mechanics and stuff but like i feel when it's like more action based and stuff it's you know more akin to like monster hunter like you there's 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 more like it's kind of half and half like your armor set matters but obviously if you don't have the skill like if you if you don't know how to like read the monster and dodge out the way you're still going to get hit you're still going to die right so i feel like blue protocol is probably going to sort of straddle that line where it'll be I want to say, I mean, I don't, I don't know because I haven't played it yet, but I want to sort of say it, it might kind of hit, sit in that happy middle where it's like almost a more accessible MMO that you can jump into and enjoy semi-casually, like if you just want to jump in and have some action fun and things like that. But then for the people that want to go and, you know, be more specific, they can kind of do that thing. So I feel like it might sit quite nicely in the middle, potentially. With people coming and going casually, um, especially mm. as you talk about like best in slot and, and terms like that, uh, how do you feel looter shooters should handle loot over like the course of a game that lasts a long time, right? So when we look at MMOs, like with with Final Fantasy, World of Warcraft, you mm. know, all these, when an expansion drops, basically the whole previous two years is tossed in the trash. Yeah. And then and then you start over and I you build that. up and every three months. So then because of that, you constantly have to invite new players in with what's called catch-up mechanics to mm. kind of get them up to speed so that they don't have to play through years of progression how do you how do you how do you think games should handle that or like should they just not and they just have like once you're best in slot you're just good forever i mean i i, I think there's there always needs to be some kind of progression i think it's it's an interesting kind of this sort of conversation with a few people before where like the the whole birth of the looter shoot i mean because like you know loot based stuff has been around for a long time but you yeah. think back in the days like when it was like world of warcraft stuff before like before before we had things like borderlands before destiny was even a thing like when you think about it really like if you play wow you're a pc pc gamer right like, you played on pc and like generally speaking sure there were some people that might play wow more casually but generally speaking if you're playing wow you know the system right you're like okay cool i'm gonna play here you know i need to check in i need to do my weeklies I need to do my dailies like okay cool there's a new expansion comes out and everyone's like that's fine a new expansion's out i know my gear's useless i know the very first thing that drops off this random ball that i've killed is infinitely better than my raid gear that i farmed five thousand hours for it's like but you're cool like you're you're used to that and it's interesting because I think at that point there was a, definitely a big separation, right? It's like people on PC were like, we're playing things like World of Warcraft, we're familiar with this kind of thing. And then you have like your console experience, which for a long time was like, you know, I mean, not to generalize, there's obviously hundreds of console games, but you know, you've got like your Call of Duties, you've got like your racing games, you've got your kind of, you know, action adventure games. And they're kind of more like in a contained thing. Like people on console were largely speaking at that time, unless you play something like Fantasy Star Online, we're largely speaking used to like, I buy my game, I play my game, my game's finished, cool. Unless it has like multiplayer, right? 
then you had this weird bridge gap where like suddenly for when things like Borderlands, even when Borderlands came out, because Borderlands at first was still like, it was a loot, it offered the loot stuff, but it still mm-hmm. was kind of like a game that was just finite. So I, I wouldn't, I, I, was, I wouldn't I would say like until Destiny came along, you didn't really kind of encounter this, but then Destiny came along and it was interesting because for a lot of people, a lot of people that had kind of like just lived predominantly on console had never had exposure to things like Diablo or World of Warcraft were suddenly experiencing this loot stuff for the first time and they were liking it but they'd never experienced the idea that like something I've worked towards isn't always going to be valuable. And I think that was an interesting turning point because for a lot of people, they were like, well, in every other game I played, I get to the end of the game, I've got the Megaton hammer. This is strong. It's great. And then they're like, but wait a minute, I just played Destiny for 200 hours and now a new expansion's come out and you're telling me I can't bring my gun with me. It's like, this is standard practice. Like, but a lot of people weren't used to this. So I still feel, but I I still feel like it has to happen. I, I still feel like all that kind of stuff because ultimately like, Maybe not everyone agrees, but for me, I'm just like, even if I would never want to be in a position where I play, I play expansion number one, I get best in slot item, and then expansion two, three, four, five, and six comes out, and I'm still using that same item because you often find developers struggle as well. You look at like Destiny, like Destiny one had so many crazy, exciting exotics, and then you fast forward through the expansions and they started to get like a bit samey or not as exciting or things like that because obviously they're potentially running out of ideas or things aren't necessarily always filling that same. Same thing. So if I, if it was the possibility to kind of keep something forever, you'd be like, well, I'm still going to use my icebreaker five years down the line. It's like, okay. do I really want to be using the same stuff? Like, I like the idea that a new expansion comes out and you're forced to go and test the new stuff and then mix things up, right? What about like more lateral games? So like you worked on Forza Horizon. So Forza hmm. Horizon, they can add a DLC and then you're forced to drive differently right so like we're going to move to dirt courses so like yeah you have you have all the best like ferraris and lamborghinis and mclarens and stuff but like Mm. that's not going to help you here like that's no longer best in slot for this activity and like Mm. when you go back to that activity you will have those cars forever and ever for as long as the current forza horizon goes Mm. um but like with those dlcs you can you can somewhat change it we see games like guild wars do that right where like they just turn it or like monster hunter is a great example right where Mm having a build might be really great for one thing but then like introduce some new monsters and that build can fall to the wayside true um is is there room for something like that in a can you think of ways like that that could come into a looter shooter um i mean but i mean potentially i don't off the top of my head i can't really necessarily sort of think of the example i feel like i feel like those kind of games it depends on the kind of loot experience you want to like, want to say, like, because you could compare something like Monster Hunter alongside something like Destiny, right? Both of them mm-hmm. offer loot, but in kind of different ways. But for Monster right. Hunter, it's never been like a a game as a service. Like Monster Hunter, although like you can hunt monsters indefinitely, technically speaking, there is kind of an end. Not in the same sure. way. You just, I mean, okay, you get to the credits, you complete the story. But what I mean more so is like, there's, you know, once you defeat all the monsters, once all the DLCs kind of come out, it's like, you know, you can you can still use. I mean there's crazy people that will still run and hunt a monster with no armor on and then run and like defeat it with like a giant spearfish, like, you know, great sword. So principally like monster hunters, because, because I suppose it's, it falls more into sort of that, that, that kind of like action um, where I, I think this is where it is. I, th- I think for games where you're underlying, where there's like a, a balance where like the underlying, your underlying abilities is a mixture of your personal player skill and your gear. So like monster hunter, like you can have the best gear in the game, but if you're rubbish at the game, that's not going to help you. Meanwhile, take something like Borderlands, and if you have a really, really, really good build with like the best guns, you could be terrible at FPSs, but you can still go through and one-shot things. So like you're, or you take like some of those. Um, I think back into like the days like Guild Wars One. Like there was the crazy monk build where you had 50 HP, 
but you were literally invincible. Like you could be the worst player. Like I, I, I didn't play Monk and someone gave me the things that I needed to do it. And I was like, I'm not dying. I'm going into the hardest yeah. content solo. Like that's not, that wasn't player skill. That was just purely gear. So I feel like ultimately the answer, the kind of long roundabout way to answer your question. So like if, um, if the, if the gear system underpins like the, your general, your general like power and ability, if that, if that is literally what makes or breaks your power, then I think it's always going to be a, a gradual moving goalpost. Meanwhile, if it's like a balanced thing where it's like, it's like player skill paired with something like that, then I think there's room for, for kind of a more lateral progression. So Borderlands 3 just uh, dropped on, on Steam, like full release. <laughs> so it's been on the Epic Game Store. I know that was uh, that causes some contention, but it does continue to go and show just how competitive the gaming space and these platforms mm. are going to try and step up because it would be in Epic's interest just to piss off gamers if there wasn't some you know end game goal but borderlands 3 now on all the platforms that it originally intended uh you have destiny 2 just uh dropped the season of the worthy you've got division 2 just dropping warlords and then we're going to talk briefly if we have a little time on anthem because uh, it's like mm. they're working on some kind of 2.0 and that mm. i'd like to know get your perspective but what is the state of the looter shooter because one of the things uh beyond the game and the, and the fun is I do end up, at least YouTube does try to recommend me like all the drama. People like mad about, uh, you know, something in these mm. uh, in these kind of games. And so like, what do you, what is your take of the overall like opinion of just the, the health of kind of the looter shooter in terms of gaming culture, whether it's, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people are people are always gonna be mad, right? Like people just people just want to be angry about something, right? It's like, well, on one, on one side, negativity is just, the thing on youtube like it's like hey if i'm angry at something people go and like it like because uh, like at the end of the day people sometimes people just want to watch someone that is going to get angry for them but i mean like, ultimately i think a lot of that stuff still stems back to even though even those sort of same people that are complaining and they may have been playing those looter shooters for like the past five years they may have been there since destiny one but i still feel like those groups of people still really fall within the, the camps of people where they probably didn't play well back in the day. They probably didn't play those games. And while they've heavily got into this this current um, series of games now, they're still ultimately new to the, the 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 concept that like what you've worked really hard for isn't gonna be there forever. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, and but also I think maybe part of the reason I think I think one of the things for me that has often let me be so level headed about a lot of stuff is because I worked in the games industry, I see how a lot of this stuff is done, and I see. And I also know what can be done and what can't be done. Yeah. So it's given me that vision, right? So obviously when when people get, when developers do things or, or something that happens and then people get angry, right? And I'm like, it might frustrate me. I'm not going to lie. You know, like when I had the really cool flak build and then they nerfed it, I'm like, oh man, that's annoying. But I'm like, I can understand why you've done it. Yeah. And also when people are like, oh, you know, can you change this thing? I'm just like, I'm not even going to, or, or, or sometimes I'll have people like say, oh, yo, can you, can you like do a video on this and ask people to change it? I'm like, I'm not going to do a video on it because A, there doesn't, there's no purpose and B, I know that stuff is not going to be fixed because I know the way that this stuff works. So like there's, there's some stuff, so, but I feel like some people like, I guess if they don't necessarily have that understanding, I guess if they're super invested in it and obviously their audience is around it and they've built their audience around it, they're like, well, I want to, you know, I want to express my, my anger. I, I, I get it. I get it. But I, th I think, I think a lot of the time it's just, it's just, you have people like, especially in the looter shooter space, people become so invested on that one particular yeah. experience. And then, you know, when it changes, like they have to, they have to voice their stuff. But 
I just think like looter shooters in general. I, I think I think it's a great genre. It's a great like you know emerging genre. But I feel I almost feel like we're getting to a point now where like we just need to we just need something new. Like uh, the next generation is around the corner, and I love my looter shooters. You know, I've, I've spent so much time playing them. But like really, I was sort of playing some stuff the other day, and I was like, it's about time we get new stuff, like new mechanics. Like I mean, you know, and, and sure on one side you can say, well, there's only so many ways you can shoot monsters and get loot from them it's like but the one thing is every time like you get a new console generation and there's like new power and new things that people can do it suddenly ushers in like people are, developers can do things that they've never done before and it might not be drastically groundbreaking to begin with but i feel like there's a lot of games right now that are just kind of just samey right so i feel like i just want to i want to get to what's next really mm -hmm. so speaking of what's next and, mm -hmm. and companies that, you know, with somebody with industry experience, you might be able to shed some light on this. Um, Destiny 2 split off from Activision, mm -hmm. right? And everybody was immediately like, oh my gosh, everything that was bad about Destiny 2 was Activision's fault. And everything that was good was Bungie's fault. And it's going to be nothing but good from here on out. Um, now we're getting far enough from that separation that we're starting to see things where like, maybe Activision's blank checkbook was helpful for dev resources. Mm -hmm. Um, compared to the more finite checkbook Bungie has and things like that. Um, like, how does a player set expectations around what the game can and can't deliver? And, like, is it just a black and white, like, oh, it's good that they split off or it's bad that they split off? I mean, I don't know too much about the other kind of behind the scenes business side of that stuff. But I mean, I think it's like, it's, it's 100%, like, it was, it was definitely not all Activision's fault. Like, you know, it might be Activision may have been the people behind, say, trying to push like, you know, certain angles into like some monetization stuff, or they might've been the people that have said like, oh, you know what, we need to make this more like, cause you know, for example, when Destiny 2 came around to begin with, um, it was a lot like a lot of the kind of in-depth systems were stripped back a little bit to obviously mm -hmm. make it appeal to more people. They may have had a hand in kind of pushing it that way slightly, but then there's also like in a lot of talks like internally, like at Bungie, there's always been like, uh, you know, different teams with different directions. It's very similar sort of, obviously not in the same vein because Anthem, you know, had a, a lot of problems, but it was a very similar vein to, when they spoke about anthem development they were like there was very there were different teams there was teams that like wanted to be heavily story-based and invested in that whereas the teams that were also like more so in the like player investment and like the mmo side of it it's like they but then they can never quite agree on the middle ground so there's always this kind of constant back and forth so yeah i mean it was it was never it's never black and white it was never like you know activision were, were the devil not to say they were perfect but at the same time yeah there's there's both there's benefits on both sides um but I think the you know the ultimate ultimately is like now the Bungie are free they're, they're free to do whatever they want um, but I think it's just gonna it's just gonna be like they're gonna have to move a little bit slower right I don't think I think people realize that they might have just thought straight away oh cool now now they're free everything's gonna be like roses and it's gonna be great when reality when the reality is there's gonna be like a kind of cooling off and migration period anyway where Bungie are still finding their feet I feel like honestly for me because I I've, I lapsed from Destiny for a while I, I watch all the new stuff and I, I watch to kind of stay in the loop and what's going on. But I haven't played since Black Armory, and I personally will wait until they reveal what some kind of Destiny Three, whatever the whatever that. the big thing is, yeah. you know, because it feels like I've I've often said this about sometimes the games because like being and studying game development and having, uh, you know, like being a software engineer, like there are a lot of things that do translate the minimal viable product. I know a lot of gamers mm -hmm. very frustrated with that mindset. Just get it out, we'll patch it after after the fact mm. and that's that's another the a anthem i think is a different case because i know a lot of people like to blame ea specifically mm. for anthem but i just look at it as ea just said i gave we funded you for seven years just release it like we're, if it's gonna die yeah, it's mean, gonna die like but that's the thing from a, from a business point of view like i know everyone loves to kind of hate them but like yeah from a business point of view you gotta realize like as a 
as a company that at the end of the day, like, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because the whole, th anytime people talk business or money around games, it seems to be like this kind of scary topic, you, you know, not even scary topic, like this, this sort of like taboo topic. You can't, you can't possibly associate gaming and money, but mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you could, but they'll quite happily say, you know, musicians are money, fine. Movie stars are money, footballers are money, right? But it's like the, the, for, for, the, for the people on the other side, like at the end of the day, games is still a business, right? And like if, if EA are a company, they're, they're paying for that stuff, like they're well within their right to be like, you've been working this for seven years. We've sunk millions of pounds in. You better put something out because we need a return on this. Like, like you know, obviously, sure, it would have been nice to be like, oh yeah, give us another six months. But then if you can keep on saying that, like, we, is it going to be like 10 years later? Hey, we just need six more months. Like, well, I mean, if you look at the Anthem, how it launched and how they're, they're doing 2.0, like, I don't know if you mm. followed it, the, the last update, I actually was yeah, yeah. playing it. I played it a couple of weeks ago, just like, because I actually got into Ice Tide, the 1.6 update. I was like, for some mm. reason, I was like, there is, a, there is some magic there. Like, when you look at, at it, like, within all of the rough, like, there's this, and I was like, I really like oh, yeah, this, definitely. this thing. And uh, so I was playing it, just having a good time with Ice Tide. And I was like, man, like, I hope that they can really kind of turn this around. Hmm. But then you look at, I look at it from an engineer's perspective. And when they, when they launched I, and people were like, oh, it's going to be two months until like, they'll have this patch. And I go, in my mind, I'm thinking at a minimum 12 months, like to turn things hmm. around. Things in game development don't, aren't light switches. Uh, you know, that just, you, oh, we forgot to turn that on. And now it's, you know, now it's perfect. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, no. And then when you look at some of the core design principles, their only choice was is to do what they're doing, which they've been working on it for a year now. Mm. And who knows how long it's going to take. But like, yeah, they could they would have come back if they asked for six more months for me. Eh? They would have come back and asked for six more months for me. Like, it's like, when is that six mm -hmm. more months actually going to going to turn around a product? Yeah, and, and I think I think initially as well, like that initial kind of struggle anyways, again, when that sort of like article came out from like Jason Schreier, like, you know, it sounds oh, like yeah. they, they also had that same that same issue where it was like, ultimately yeah yeah they had difficulties with, with tech yeah they had difficulties with frostbite engine yeah you know there's a lot of like technology and like infrastructure stuff but ultimately there was also a big directional mm -hmm. push um you know like i mean i got to see anthem way before it was even announced i got to kind of like go and sort of part of like a you know like a ea game changers thing and sort of like you know give some feedback and like early on when we kind of you know it's, it's interesting to sort of see some of the stuff that we gave feedback on very early and they still didn't really not to say that every, you know not, not to say that right. i would go to something and they would they be like we have to listen to you but at the same time it's like you know some of the things that people were complaining about is the same stuff that we gave feedback on to say you should probably fix this and yet it made it into the game and it was very clear at the time like no disrespect to them because you know there's, there's a great team but it's very clear there was camp of the team that's like you know we're very here about like making cinematic and story-based games but they clearly don't play Mm -hmm. mmos or any of those kind of games yeah and when these systems came in and they, you know we fast forward to like e3 like you know i i fully enjoyed my time at anthem you know i covered it for a, for a while you know and i i i loved the the foundation of it so you know there's not pretending i didn't but at the same time the even when it was e3 when it's like i'm always skeptical when you say to someone at e3 like oh yeah can you talk about endgame and they're like uh not right now and it's yeah. like okay i get sometimes they they don't want, don't want to talk about it but then when it gets to the point where it's like can you talk to me about the end game loop and they're like oh yeah well you know you go out and do some quests i'm like yeah but what about raids what about end game and they're like uh not really we'll talk like, about that after launch we'll talk about that after launch yeah so like, oh, and that's right. always a bit of a, a bit of a gray area and then obviously it ended up being that, that kind of thing because and it was it was difficult for us because obviously you know we were we caught we covered it because you know we always covered it from the point like from anytime you go to a preview event i think a lot of people forget they're like, always like oh you know you told me this game was gonna be great this is gonna be brilliant it's like yeah well i went to a preview event i got to play for six hours 
I got to see a slice of the game, and that slice of the game didn't in any way tell me that the game was going to be terrible after like 60 hours or 100 hours. I told people not to pre-order, and then I remember people coming back later saying like, you told me this game was going to be great and I should play it, and and you suck. It's like, Mm. well, no, I mean, I guess you need to check your hearing or you're just angry and you're you're Mm. blaming me. Like, Chris said it, like, hands down. He was like, we don't know what the future for this game looks like. That's what people are going to love about it. We can tell you about this vertical slice. And that yeah. was interesting, but they are not. I did clear. not pre-order. Yeah. I still mm, don't own yeah. it. Even when I dropped to like four bucks or whatever, <laughs> I just didn't buy it because it's like, no, I, I still don't know. Like mm. I could still save that $4 for a steam sale. Like it, it I still, you still haven't told me. You're like you're still telling me just buy it it'll get better mm-hmm. that's not a good enough reason like i'm not saying it can't i am not yeah. ruling them out and i wish them the best there were some truly inventive things about it playing the little bit that i did get to play was a, the, the core game loop had some fun in it um they just haven't delivered us enough of a cohesive message and like they've had a lot of turmoil inside mm-hmm. they've mm-hmm. had a lot of turnover that's hard to deal with for any company um much less something that's under so much scrutiny the problem with yeah. like the problem with the level of like visibility they have in the gaming space is from day one it had to be good as opposed to mm-hmm. if they've been like a like like wilson for example that's like a 13 man indie team like there's a whole lot of forgiveness there people are like well this is this is buggy diablo 3 was buggy and it was like 10 years mm-hmm. of development and it was funded by one of the biggest players in the game cut these guys some slack so like i'm willing to put up with their bugs in a way that i would have never tolerated anthem mm-hmm. is there is there a game because as we uh, kind of wind down the show I, I mean i could talk to you all day but i know you got you got a big day ahead of you in terms of content uh, and yeah. uh, a couple embargoes apparently are lifting i can't wait to i'm looking forward to whatever you post uh, it's always fun but like outside of, of embargoes and ndas because you know yeah. like that is the thing outside of that is there any particular game in any of the genres that we've talked about uh, in this podcast that you're either looking forward to just with a great passion or interest in 2020 or 2021 that um, that it might not be on yeah. people's radars? Definitely. I mean, well, I, I mean, I, not, not necessarily the genre, but 100% Breath of the Wild 2 just because I'm a massive Zelda fanboy. But uh, honestly, year? Godfall. Uh, no, they haven't announced it yet. I'm, I'm hoping, like, I keep thinking that potentially it could be this year because I'm like, it's built in the same engine. Um, they showed a trailer last E3. I, I picture that whatever they do in this E3 window, I know E3 is not happening, but like, you know, if they do like a live stream, they could show some more. And maybe, like, I, I'm wishful thinking is saying they could just release it at Christmas or like, or if not, very beginning of next year. But Nintendo doesn't have delays around E3 because all their stuff's pre recorded. So <laughs> true, they can just true, release true, true. it on yeah, the same yeah. day. It changes this, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. That That is that is very true. Yeah, yeah. But then outside of that, uh, Godfall. Godfall, like, again, within the yeah. looter space, like, because I, it's funny, I play so many looter shooters, but inherently, I'm not really a shooter guy, right? I just like loot yeah. games. I, 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 all that Monster stuff. Hunter so, being me- a big thing for you, yeah. Exactly, right? So melee combat is, I would always be, I will always go to, like, even if I play MMOs, I would never go to the, the ranger or the mage. I go to the warrior or the assassin. Like, I just like melee combat. So the idea that I can have a loot-based game with the awesome looking melee combat from like the small teaser they showed like potential sort of dark souls slash dmc action element to like that that could be really cool so yeah that's probably my number one um on my kind of radar for like next gen how about you chris uh i mean right now i'm i'm really excited at uh final fantasy 7 coming up and uh Mm. the fact that they're still saying cyberpunk is not delayed it obviously makes it uh, a big anticipation game for this year 
um we don't know anything about shadowlands and like that's getting to the point where it's starting to be alarming um mm. it's getting to the point where it's weird that we don't have more information on test realms on a release date um if you pre-order it the asterisk always says like oh we'll get it to you by the end of the year it always says that that's no change mm. but like the fact that we don't know like okay are we talking july doesn't look like it we talking august doesn't look like it like are we talking about an October, November? And if we are at this point, does that put it around the same time as BlizzCon? Does that put it around the same mm. time as FanFest? Like, what does that, what does that mean for Blizzard? And like, Shadowlands is a pivotal moment off of the last couple of years that Blizzard has had, both by choices of their own and by things outside their own control, um, and by the success of Battle for Azeroth versus Classic. Um, Shadowlands has to be good. Like, if it's not, it's going to do some some damage to the brand so like those are things i'm looking at this year um and i'm, I'm hoping that all three of those are nothing short of fantastic so mm. let's go ahead and wrap up for me i would say the uh you know braver default 2 uh for switch hands down super excited um and then uh, i would say really curious and hopeful the new world's good i'm i'm I, it's more about yeah. the combat and about if the developer listens i think i i've i know a lot of people will like care about like numbers and whatever but if the developer listens and if they're able to have that at least that trust with the player base mm-hmm. like okay if the, if something's not working and we trust and then we work together like yeah i'll get fixed and as long as that is within some kind of obviously reasonable timetable who knows like i'm uh betas kicks off here in a couple of weeks i believe they don't have a date but we're waiting i'm excited mm-hmm. i'm hoping the combat's good i'm hope if the combat feels good that's going to be what's important combat can look good but if it doesn't feel good when you're controlling it then uh then it's you're just not going to stick with it so we'll have to wait and sure. see um alex where can people find you uh you know why don't you floor's yours so i please tell people sure. where they can go and follow you Thanks. Uh, so you can find me over on YouTube, uh, Arix Gaming YouTube, and also on the Video Games YouTube now, uh, and otherwise over on Twitter, where I'm posting random Animal Crossing stuff all the time. Twitter for twitter.com forward slash Arix. Chris, what do we got coming up? Uh, last show with Avalon Star. Next week, we don't know yet. We, we, have, we have guests, we just don't have enough confirmation to say it yet. Um, and i don't know i'm stuck at home playing games you're stuck at home playing games we'll see what comes out <laughs> i'm looking forward to it let's go and wrap the show because we know i know you got to get out of here and go do uh youtube content creation things so for work to game my name is brian my name's chris and i'm alex or Arix. there we go there we go dude this guy's freaking uh on 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 point uh thanks so much for tuning in everybody we appreciate you hanging out uh if you guys liked and enjoyed the show uh let us know and go follow alex if you don't already so he's got his uh the video games uh his new channel and obviously his gaming channel lots of stuff links are in the description check them out thanks for me (laughs) thanks for being here dude all right see you